Thank you very much. That was beautiful. Amen. Was that beautiful? Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to China just for a moment. You can have your seats. Thank you. Musicians, you might want to see some of this. It looked like an all-sisters conference, but I think this is just the sister side of things. And when I, when I counted them all, and from what they told me was going to be at the meetings, there's probably at least that many brothers. But you can see some of uh, the young people here, and I think Brother Jariah's mother's there, and has a wonderful... This is just these meetings this, or this last weekend, and the BCA students participated in uh, uh, at least one of the services. This is another meeting that they participated in. Isn't this wonderful? This is right up to date here and all of them singing there. It's kind of unique to have a, a translator from Africa on the left there in Chinese. And I, I couldn't show you some of the videos, but some of the translation that was happening. I'm sure they'll have a lot to tell us about the food they ate and their times, but uh, the Lord really used them. I think this is the um, one of uh, the sister washing the feet of Jesus, and that's been very effectual. And then this is what happens after services like that. Isn't that amazing? Let's just give the Lord praises. This is... Amen. I know you can see Jason right back here, Brother Jason. And uh, I think we know him, and uh, this is Brother Jariah's father, it looks like. And uh, it looks pretty cold there, but there's, a, there's some soldiers joining the army. We thank the Lord for that. So let's keep in prayer for Brother uh, Tom Ray and Brother Murphy Wong, Brother Ron Spencer and Brother Glenn Gruner, and also our BCA students and Brother Kim Dingwall. This was last uh, week. It probably looks a lot like that on the mountain. Today, Brother Derek said there was snow at the camp, and so the Lord gave us a wonderful time, and we thank the Lord for Winter Camp 2018, and Brother uh, Timothy Pruitt and his wife here and family, they joined us, and uh, these are experiences that we thank the Lord for, and we thank the church and all of you for your giving, for your sacrifice, and as we had the uh, prayer meeting and testimony and thanksgiving service on Friday night, which was very well attended and many gave testimony and praises. We just thank the Lord and we believe it's going to continue. Amen. So let's stand tonight and we'll turn right to the scripture. Exodus chapter 15. Brother Timothy, Tim spoke this morning on something that had been on his heart for some time and this has been on our hearts for some time on the sacredness in the family. And just before camp, we took on uh, the sacredness of the heart. And tonight, we really want to go back to the original inspiration and speak on God's Word calls for a sacredness in the family. And this is uh, be a follow-up after camp. And um, so I believe it will be good for us tonight as we've prayed and we thank the Lord and just ask Him to take His Word now and write it into our hearts. Exodus 15, verse 18. This is just coming right up through into the Red Sea. And the believers had come out of the Exodus. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. 
For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. That's a miracle right there. And watch, we're stepping right into the revival. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. That's like a tambourine. And all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. That was a rejoicing time in the church. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Tonight is going to be a lesson about how quick a carnal nature can come to the surface. Right after revival. Just three days later. And when they came to Moriah... They could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured. This is three days after the great revival and the dancing and rejoicing. The people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Brother Tim spoke about this morning God crossing the arms and that was a type of the cross. This is a type of the cross. If you want to put the cross into the situation, it'll make bitter water sweet. So here we see again the Lord showing him a tree that which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. That scripture is still good tonight. And they came to Elium, where there were twelve wells of water, and three score and ten, that's seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. May the Lord give us that water tonight. You can have your seats. Amen. Let's look at this again in Exodus 15. If you have your Bibles there, we'd like to just follow along. Exodus chapter 12 is the token chapter. It's the chapter that speaks about the token. While they were in Egypt, they applied the token. And we're going to read some a little bit out of those four messages of the token tonight. Chapter 13 of Exodus also speaks about the token in verse 16. Exodus 13:16, And also the firstborn. It's continuing on. And then Exodus chapter 14, we see them uh, coming up to the Red Sea. These great testimonies and experiences for the children of Israel, which, as we've already said, it it was a miracle that happened. And then in chapter 15, and what we've read tonight is really a lesson, because it goes to show how quick that when God can be moving and pouring out His Spirit and doing miracles for a people, how quick they can go back to uh, murmuring 
and complaining. And I, and I believe as believers, as the bride of Christ, we, we're further down the road than that. That when God gives us experiences and, and uh, does the supernatural in our midst and for our families, that we ought not to be so quick to go back and be so carnal. Would we agree tonight? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Why, why is things so bitter? And this is a week after our winter camp. I'm going to be personal tonight with us. We need to expect the Monday after or the week after a great revival to be that way. In fact, we need to expect bitterness and testing after great times. In Jeffersonville, and most uh, ministry would know about this, and you've heard this quote before, Brother Branham spoke about, watch after your Mount Carmel's, that's talking about a mountaintop experience, that you're going to have a juniper tree. Expect it. Here we're a week after our Mount Baker experience, after our congregation. God gave us wonderful times. Can we say, watch after your Mount Carmel's. You're going to have a juniper tree. Whenever a man has a blessing and the power of God pours down and does something for you, a prophet said, look out, Satan's on the track. Just remember the next day, that Monday, after a good day on Sunday, it's going to be a hard thing. Because he's going to do everything, talking about Satan, he's going to do everything he can to knock that confidence out of you that the Holy Spirit instilled in you the day before. Hallelujah. How can we overcome after great revivals? It's by recognizing the devil and every one of his tactics. So after a Mount Carmel, after a Mount Baker, prepare for your juniper tree. Don't get knocked off in three days. And as we're going to find out, seven days what happened. And then 30 days after the children of Israel. I believe we've come far enough. God's given us blessings. God's poured out His Spirit. He's done something for us. Satan's on track to derail that. So that's why we're going to go right away to uh, God's Word calls for a sacredness in the family. Immediately bringing our attention back to this thought of sacredness. Let's just speak about it for a moment about God's Word calling for a sacredness. Because, uh, let me just digress for a moment. Brother Branham spoke a message, God's Word calls for a total separation from unbelief. And that was 1964. That was a year after the opening of the seals. And in that message, God's Word calls, that's why I entitled this tonight, God's Word calls for a sacredness. In that message, Brother Branham got personal. And he brought it down home. He could have the great revivals, he could have the opening of the seals, we could speak about the church ages, but there was times to bring the word down home. He brought it down to the people's private lives. And he didn't back up when it came to difficult areas. He didn't allow the people just to get happy on the mountain. In that message, God's Word calls for a total separation. He didn't back up from saying difficult things. And today it's got to be the same. It must be the same. That when, where the Word of God affects us, that it's life-changing. It's life-changing. 
Not just going over our head and not just a great meeting where the Spirit's flowing and the oil is rich, but to where it strikes our lives. And when we face our junipers, when we go back to our daily grind, we would say that there's been something established in our hearts. I believe that's what it's all about. It's not just for once or twice a year to just have experiences and have our hearts moved. It's a daily walk. So after these great experiences, I'm just watching my notes, like we shared at winter camp. My greatest concern as a minister is not the time and the season when we're on the campground. There's a lot of effort and there's a lot of labor. There's a lot of preparation. But my greatest concern is not why we're on the campground. It is after and when the campers go back home. It's when counselors go back home. It's when the workers go back home. It's when the ministry goes back home. What is our families like? What is happening in our families? That is a real concern of mine as a minister. We can have a great atmosphere. We can have dynamic preachers. We can have life-changing events that happen that accelerate the church forward. But my concern is, what happens when they go back home? What happens when those young people go back to their homes? Their fathers? Their mothers? What's the atmosphere like? Is the word that we're hearing coming down to where we're living? Because if we fail in that, it's a failure. So tonight, it's the sacredness now bringing the attention back to our families. That sacredness, which is the consecration in the family life. It's to see your families blessed. It's to see the holiness and the hallowness that when God's presence comes, and as Brother Tim preached on the anointing, when it comes to a person, does it only bring you just to the mountain, or does it take you through the valley? That's what we're speaking about. Bringing the sacredness of that hallowed, revered experience and bringing it down where that divine encounter moves daily. I know that's your desire. Tonight is a, is a check for us and it's also an encouragement for our families because Brother Branham, as the eagle anointing, he caught that burden in, in God's Word calls for a separation. He caught that burden. And he, he caught the need for the hour that it wasn't just a Sunday service or a weekend meeting, but he was bringing it down to when the people went home, something stuck with them. So it was dealing with the inner place. And as we spoke last time out of Deuteronomy 29.29, would you like to turn back to that scripture verse, not to uh, belinger it? but to bring our attention back to these secret things and the mysteries that have been unveiled or things that maybe are outside of our control. Today we would say, the secret things. Deuteronomy 29.29 He was touching the sacredness of the hearts of the people. Deuteronomy 29.29 Can we read it out loud together? The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us 
and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. We believe this verse. You know, there's things that that are just going to have to stay in the heart of God and let Him take care of those things. I believe that. But then there's things that are revealed belong unto us. And they belong unto our children forever. And the token is for all of us. The token is for the family. We have a church family here. And it's very important that the the Word of God and our experiences are touching the sacredness of our hearts and not just our heads. You know, the church is no stronger than our families. Brother Timothy Pruitt is home, back at home, had a wonderful service today at their home church. He's back at his post of duty. We're in our post of duty. But our church is no stronger than our families. And there's a sacredness. That's what we're bringing attention to now after the Mount Carmel, after the Mount Baker. There's a sacredness to going now our lives as people. The token is for us and our children. The Holy Ghost is for our children. This is what moves in our family, our overcoming life. And even healing that comes to our body comes back to the word that we're hearing. Comes back to the quality of the word and the level of deliverance in our families. is going to be our individual faith and how we apply it. If we just say we're under great ministry and we hear great preaching, then that's where it's going to stay. We're always going to have to live in the shadows of great preachers. But the ministry's our job is to bring it down where Christ is with the people. Where they have overcoming life. They wrestle with the word. Revelation is for our children and for us. The power of the spoken word is for us to have, not just at camps or to hear on a message of a prophet preaching the word. It's for our families now. Let's bring it right into our families. Let's not just keep it on these certain times or events. Let's bring the sacredness of, of these times for our families into our daily walk. Remember that it's the sacred places between you and God alone. So let's not interrupt one another and get between them and God by having our family life be a huge distraction. Our families should be a reflection of our faith. I'm glad to know that you're, you're thinking about these things. It's very important. Let's go to chapter 16 of Exodus. Let's just continue on here to see how quick, after chapter 15, three days, they murmured and complained. These things are written for our example so that we don't become like that. Just three days later, Exodus chapter 16 Our opening scripture was Exodus 15. Exodus 16 is the very next verses, how they took their journey from Elium. Elium was a place where there was, remember, 70 palm trees. So there was a lot of water. They they got refreshed. They, They realized that we can come through great revivals and tambourines and then tend to be murmuring and complaining. Then you'll go right into a time where there's a lot of water and a beautiful place. And now chapter 16, we see them taking their journey. 
From Elam and the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. Now just real quickly, they took the lamb on April the 10th. You can read this in Exodus 12. Token night was, ex- was April the 14th. So that's why they had a Passover time from April 14th to the 21st. The date of departure out of Egypt was April the 14th, the night and the evening time. And in this very first verse, we see the second month, April being the first month in their calendar. May, by May the 15th, 30 days later... We see in verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmuring against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. It shows how carnal mind, and Exodus 12 says there was a mixed multitude went out with them. And those are the ones that's going to cause trouble. Unbelievers and make-believers that got tied on to the revival, but really didn't have the faith. And, and being a, a, a brother, a young man that's been born in the message, raised in Jeffersonville our whole lives and seeing the cycles in the message, this scripture right here is very powerful. People can go through a lot of things and have great revivals right after you see the carnal nature being challenged to murmur about this, complain about that. Thirty days later, by the time May 15th rolls around, they're murmuring against the prophet murmuring against the ministry. And I say, God, take that out of our hearts. Don't be influenced by the mixed multitude. Just keep your course on that promised land that nothing's going to waver me. We're speaking about the sacredness of the family. So we see this in verse 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. What a testimony. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For we have brought us forth. Ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And you can look down through the next few verses. Even verse 7. In the morning... Then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that ye he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. Is that what your Bible says? Murmurings means to grumble, to complain. Something's always wrong. Something's never good enough. It's just like there's always something. This is 30 days later. The whole congregation begin to be affected. You say, Brother John, why are you bringing this scripture a week after our, our, these experiences so that we're not tempted to go that way? God heard these murmurings. Verse 8, we see Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against Him. And what are ye? This is a good question, Brother Tim, after this morning. And what are we? Here's the prophet Moses and Aaron trying to implore the people. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. 
And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for He hath heard your murmurings. Not their testimonies. Not their thanksgivings. Not their prayers and their visions for their families to do good in the promised land. They had already cycled right back around to talking about family strains. We we should have stayed in Egypt. Their slavehood was so impressed upon their minds, they needed a Joshua and Caleb. Uh, Don't you find it striking that those that applied the token in Egypt, listen to this very clearly, those that applied the token in Egypt, only two out of that whole group actually made it in the promised land. There are people that actually have applied certain levels of the message for many, many years that have never gone into their land. So you cannot use their testimony as your balancing and your measuring stick. There's many that say, I applied the token, I believe the message, and many, most of them never made it. So it calls for us tonight as we look at these things to take it to heart. That I will not be a murmurer. I will not be a complainer. I'm not going to get my eyes so quickly from Christ to natural things. I will turn my heart, I will turn my eyes toward the things that will give us victory. These things are very serious. Verse 11 and 12, you can see the Lord now, not just Moses and Aaron, but the Lord speaking. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And God gave them quails to eat. In verse 13. Verse 15, He gave them manna to eat. And the Lord was mindful of their needs. And He kept ministering to their needs. Kept just pouring it out. And you would think that everyone would say, let's get in line. Let's get in line. Let's stay with the Word. But look at verse 20. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses. But some of them left it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. So God was trying to bring a message of stay in line, stay in line. The God that brought you out is going to take you into the land. Let me just show you, just to bring this back to your memory, uh, when we saw the, the pictures from China, this brought this back to my memory. And there was always those that, you remember this on the right hand side, that was out of line, but they got back into line. And as soon as I saw this picture, Brother Kim sent me of the believers in China, I saw them all in line. I was thinking of this quote again of of rapture, when those that were getting out of line at the end, and Brother Branham screamed out, stay in line, stay in line. And the vision left me, and I was standing in the room screaming, stay in line. What God is doing in China, what He's doing tonight, He's doing around the world. Isn't that lovely? Look at that. They're they're staying in line. The same word that brought us out is bringing them out. The same level the word Brother Tom is ministering, Brother Ron Spencer is preaching, Brother Murphy is preaching. We need to pray for Brother Murphy and these brothers as they labor in the field is bringing the bride in line there is bringing us into line. We thank the Lord for that. Let's go to Exodus 17 here, the very next chapter. 
God didn't leave them just with tambourines and jumping around and dancing around with songs. They had to keep moving. It's in the moving is where a lot of people fall off. But that brings the sacredness of the family even more important. Let's look in the very next chapter, chapter 17. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses. This word means to tempt, to strive or to contend with him, to conduct a case, a complaint. They started to quarrel with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? This is very serious. Moses was the prophet. He was the, and he didn't ask for this. God called him to do that. But right away we see whether it's food, whether it's water, uh, the human part is to chide, get in a quarrel, to come against. It, it, it means to conduct a case, like a court case, to try to bring accusation against the very one that had brought them out. And when God began to uh, hear about these things, and Moses said, why do you tempt the Lord? Because the people in verse 3, they were thirsting for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? I know it's Sunday night and I don't want to weary you. But you see a lot of this, they reference their children. We would say young people. It seems like people's attention, they're concerned about their families or how are you going to handle our young people? But really, this was an expression of their lack of faith. You brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. How many remember when the spies went in the land and they came back and they were questioning the families, were questioning, oh, what's going to happen to our children? Who remembers that? It's like they use that for an excuse. Let me say this, friends. The same God that brought the adults out will bring our children out. The, the token is for the family. Verse 3 is a bad report. It's a bad attitude. It's, it's really a bad spirit that had gone in the people to chide in their confession. Verse 4 caused Moses to cry unto the Lord saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And you can look on down through this. And verse 7, they called the name of this place, this uh, place, Massa and Meribath because of the chiding of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? They question the presence of the Lord. I say, God, help us at Cloverdale Bible Way. Here we are seven days after a great revival. These things are for our examples. This service tonight is for our examples. That we bring the glory of God or the meetings into our families. Don't you want to do that? I'm reminded of the token. We used this right before camp at a Shreveport when Brother Branham was talking about the lack of sincerity with people and how they weren't sincere. 
and how they're not ready to confess. They want to pray, God, you heal me, do this, do that, do this. But when it comes to dying out and confessing your sins and getting right with God, it isn't seen no more. He said, that's the reason we don't see no more healings than we have. He said, let's get things ready. You've got to get the thing working first. God heals you for His glory, and we must be ready for His glory. This is amazing. It's almost like God's preparing you for the testing. He's preparing you for the bitterness. But that's what always comes after the revival is the time of testing. But you're going to stand. This is the paradox of it all. Those individuals failed because of unbelief. Jesus referred back to them. It was because of their unbelief. But there's a bride that's heard a rapture message that learns by these things. Learns by the token. Learns that we must be more sincere. And if you want power over the mumba and to overcome it now in your family, strains, it's going to be men and women that bring these camp experiences down to where they're living. Amen. Amen. Don't just leave it on the mountain, but bring it right down to your address. That's what a prophet was saying. God's word is calling for it. God's word is calling for it. How many remember Uzziah? Y'all remember Uzziah? He was a good man. He was a prophet's friend. But in the message influence, Brother Branham talked about how he got proudful and lifted up. In one place, he said he got arrogant. And he got to doing things anyhow. He grabbed the censer and he took off. It didn't matter what the difference the priest said. He was going anyhow. It was against the scripture. It was unscripture for him to do that. I, you know, before camp and even after camp, I've witnessed and heard this phrase. I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it my way. I don't need help from nobody. And friends, that's a very dangerous attitude. It's very dangerous, whether you're old or whether you're young. Because that's really conveying a a nature of a family that needs to die out. That's not the Holy Spirit. We all need help. We all need help. Whether you're young or whether you're old. Never get to the place that you can't ask for help. But Uzziah, he thought he was so down the road, he didn't need no help and got lifted up in pride and his purpose and everything. And and Brother Bradham talks about this. It was so amazing. But then he says, when the word calls you down on this, if you feel rebuked, then repent. That's all. Just get right. That's the only thing to do. That was so positive to me. Because Uzziah, he was a king and affluent. He thought he could do it his way. That's a real worldly phrase. I'll do it my way. And we find out what happens. God doesn't honor that life. So he's very clear to say, when the Word calls you down on that, and you feel rebuked, just repent. Is that easy for us tonight? You say, well, my, you know, if the word's calling me down, or I feel rebuked on this, just repent. Just get right. 
He said, that's the only thing to do. Praise the Lord. That's easy, isn't it? Amen. We, we made it through that. Hallelujah. So you say, Brother John, we've already come back from camp. And it just seems like everyone's working together at camp. Well, we had Sister Karen and the whole kitchen. It would just seem like God's dealt with the new generation. They're passing off and they're doing well. We see it with the deacons. We see it with the campers that are getting 22, 23, becoming counselors. We saw it with the musicians. We saw it in the ministry. We all saw it with one another. It was a maturity. Hello, everybody. It was a maturity. It was God's outpouring of His character now in a people. Let's go to Psalms 105. This was our second example as we see the Word unfolding. We're, we're aware that there are single parents. There's single people in our church or hearing on the internet. There's young people, young adults that are not married. We're aware of broken homes and certain families where there are some that aren't serving the Lord. We're very aware of that. But there's all, we're part of a family here. Is that true? So when we speak about family, we must speak from the core of the Word because the token was for the family. So now let's go back and hear another example in Psalms 105. Verse, verse 1 to 8 is what we read on Friday night at the prayer meeting. And it's speaking about making known in verse 1 the deeds of the Lord among His people. Verse 2, it speaks about singing and singing psalms and talking of His wondrous works. In verse 5, we read, remember His marvelous work. So we we're instructed by the Word to, to give testimony, give praises, speak about what God's done in our families, to our, to our children. Give testimonies. Talk about the Word of God. Can I give a, a, a quote right here, Brother Branham? Brother Tim Dodd, several months ago, spoke about the Hebrews uh, series. So our family, we ordered the books and we, and we got the Hebrews. We've been going through them as a family. And this certain quote uh, caught me one night as Brother Branham said, Certainly, how shall we escape if we neglect such? You neglect to eat, you'll die. You neglect to turn a corner, you'll wreck. If you neglect to milk the cow, she'll go dry. You neglect your teeth, you'll have to have them all pulled out. Certainly. He said, you pay for your neglection. Then he cries out. Here, he's in his own tabernacle. At this time, Brother Branham, he, they called him the pastor. He said, oh, Branham Tabernacle. And you visitors, let me tell you something now. You neglect to testify of the glory of God. You neglect to give God the praise and glory. You'll find yourself cold, formal, and backslidden one of these days. He said, you give praise to God. And I say, God, let us give praise to God. Hallelujah. 
The children of Israel found themselves cold, formal, and backslidden within days. It ought to be just the opposite for believers. When God pours out His Spirit, instructs them by the Word, delivers us, then that is an opportunity for us to give praise to God. He said, if you neglect to turn a corner, you're going to crash. You fail to... um, Milk the cow, she'll go dry. You neglect your teeth, you'll have them pulled out. You neglect to eat, you'll die. So he's bringing this into the spiritual. Then he cries out to his church. You'll pay for your neglection. And there there ought to be something in our hearts. Lord, don't let us neglect. See, neglect is not blatant sin. It's not iniquity. And it's, it's, it's a different area. Neglect means to, you say, but I'm not aware, or I didn't know I was doing that, or I'm not aware that a little child needs this attention. I'm not aware that an adolescent needs a certain amount of love, or I'm not aware that teenagers need to be handled a certain way. But God is going to hold us accountable for that. We're bringing this now into the sacredness of our families, that we can't just have revivals just be flashes and weekends and then come back home and our lives just carry on the same. God's holding us accountable to bring these things into our daily lives. Are are we getting the message tonight? So skip down in Psalms 105 to verse 23. Follow along as the scripture is giving the story. Psalms 105 Verse 23, Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people to deal subtly with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness. Now watch all of the, as they go back to the ten plagues. He sent darkness and made it, made it dark. And they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. He's talking about what happened in Egypt. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings. He spake. And there came divers or many sorts of flies and lice in all their coast. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also and their fig trees and brake the trees of their coast. He spake and the locusts came and caterpillars and that without number. He did eat up all the herbs in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. And, And when I was reading this, I just stopped there and said, Lord, don't let that be our testimony. These are men and women that were against God's plan in Egypt. But God provided a token for the believers. You can take all of these verses that we just read, and that's what's going to happen to a a life that goes against God's will. No matter what they do, it just doesn't seem to prosper. And then if it prospers, it's not in spiritual things. 
So you might build bigger barns and get a promotion, but you find from that time, it's never the same. Friends, don't wander away from the Word. Stay with the token. But for most people, these last few verses, what happened in Egypt, will happen to their lives. Their families fall apart. Things begin to fail. Because they're under a curse. And verse 36, again, is bringing our attention back to the firstborn. And how God smote all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength, their princes, their families. The Bible says there was not a family where there was not death. Even the firstborn of their cattle. Can you imagine that happening? It was a curse because they failed and they came against the word. I'm glad there was light in Goshen. Aren't you happy there was a prophet that was said, come out of her. Let's leave this. Verse 37. This is all speaking back to the book of Exodus. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. My. Is that what your Bible says? Not one feeble person. Egypt was glad when they departed. For the fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. Let's all say gush. Just gushed right out for them. That speaks of after we had those Mount Baker experiences. Speak to the rock. It's already been stricken. It's time to speak to the rock. And it will bring forth gushers. Fathers, gushers. Mothers, gushers. Young ladies, young men, gushers. They ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant... Verse 43 is our last verse here. And he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. Let that be the atmosphere of your family. Hallelujah. Some of us need to take these verses and say, Lord, if you did that under blood of bulls and goats, what about under the blood of Jesus? There ought to be a, a nature of all of our families that we can laugh together. We ought to be able to smile at one another. In the house of God, there ought to be joy. Not just putting up with people. And criticizing. And cutting down. That's what happens out in the world. There ought to be a lifting up. There ought to be the extra mile. There ought to be grace. There ought to be mercy. Do we believe this tonight? He brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. You say, well, Brother John, that's not really how our family is. Start tonight. I felt that this afternoon because someone might be very condemned and perplexed. You might even be, your family might be being torn apart. Start tonight. Start speaking it out there. Be happy. Be joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Stop.
neglecting your families. The Lord's done so much for us. Let's take it back home. That's the least we can do. It shows what we got at camp is our attitude three days later. Seven days later. It shows if we really got a revelation. Forgive me, we have to be honest tonight. I I was listening this morning to Brother Tim preach and I thought, are we really catching it? Have we really caught it? We hear these things, do we hear them too much? That we've lost the joy of it. The thrill of it. Have we become satisfied with falling asleep in church and becoming lazy spiritually? Where is that drive? Where is that appreciation? Have we been born, as Brother Ed preached years ago, with silver spoons and golden goblets? Let this service tonight be maybe a little prod for all of us because... All of our services that we have in our church, all of our prayer meetings, all of our camps, Sunday school, the school that we have, fellowships that we have, youth meetings, all of them are to be a support for the families. They're not to just be a social thing here and there and we're to get caught up and we just become so busy with church and school and fellowship and meetings and camps that it just becomes, the message becomes like that and individuals just poke them a little bit and they fall over. They can rot twice as quick where the water is and you'd be laying right in the water and, and be rotten on the inside. I say, Lord, don't let that happen to us. God's Word is calling for a sacredness. I don't want to use the word demanding because that sounds harsh. But when we hear the Word at these levels, God's going to call it to be accountable for that. Let's go to our last scripture tonight, and that is Judges chapter 6. We only had these three illustrations, and Judges chapter 6 is our last. Is this okay tonight? Brother Tim even said I didn't have to be long tonight. Amen. He said that this past week. I'm starting to get the message. Amen. I need to cut it off. (laughs) Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6 is Gideon. And we find him as being really an example for many of us in the message. You can be right around where the blessed of God, the family of God, and still be hiding behind the wine press. Still not be willing to come to your place. And we see this in Judges 6 verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Orpah, that pertained unto Joash. And goes on to speak in this verse. And his son Gideon threshed wheat... By the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> and he's hiding. He's trying to be a secret believer 
in the midst of this great family of God, this great move of God, and he's hiding, threshing his wheat. And God speaks to him and says, The Lord is with thee. That's what he was doing all last weekend. Right from last Wednesday night, when when Brother Timothy spoke on a continuation of the book of Acts, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He was saying, the Lord is with thee. Then he said, comma, thou mighty man of valor. Now, when the word comes to us, a lot of times we don't feel... It's the same. We, we feel weak. We feel ashamed. We feel embarrassed. We feel like a little small person or the skin on the bottom of the feet. Brother Timothy dealt with that last Wednesday night. He said, well, if you're the skin on the bottom of the feet, at least you're part of the body. Put your head on the neck of Satan. Oh, you say, man, we hear these sermons and we hear preaching and it's just all drama. Are you serious? Or is it practical? Hello, somebody. People love drama today. They just love action and they love... And then when it's all over, they kind of close it off and then they go about their... And it's a whole nother life. Friends, if we're not careful, it can become that way in the house of God. We hear great sermons, powerful and declarations. You're mighty. You're a great family. And then we up, turn that off, go out, and we live our own way. No, that's not God's way. We are the Word made flesh today. But don't let it just be scriptures and positive statements. It is a positive token. But there ought to be a groaning in all of us. Lord, let it become real in my family, Lord. Where is that God? The question isn't wrong. It's the answer God gives. Now watch Gideon in the next verse because he had a question. And Gideon said unto him, now Gideon's responding back to the Lord, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us, and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, and now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? And I like what Brother Michael spoke on, on Saturday morning. God doesn't address a lot of times your doubts and your fears and all your questions we have many times. Jesus is the answer. Some of you had this experience in verse 22, if you skip down here. After these, this encounter, this relationship, Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord that was talking to him. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God! Exclamation. That means he was speaking it with some, some spirit. He wasn't bored. Remember the sympathy message? To those that are interested, to you that are interested, if you're not interested, it'll have no effect. But if you're interested, you're keenly watching, listening for the sound of the Holy Ghost. Now Gideon had been under this influence of the angel of the Lord. He said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. 
And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Now the next few verses are very important for the end of our service. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. And some of us need to bring that back to our families. Peace. Amen? I don't believe our family life should be a lot of struggle, fighting, strife, cursing, swearing. God forbid. But don't forget neglect. We can neglect love. You can neglect to water a plant and it'll die. It'll shrivel up. A good plant. That's why I appreciate Brother Michael Ray for his willingness this year to work around the tree in certain areas. Because there's meetings and there's things go on about certain campers or counselors, how things should be done. And there's always a willingness to work around the tree. Let's give it another chance. And God to come behind and vindicate that. And for some of your young people to be at the altar or be crying out to God, that is the victory for all the trouble, all the struggle, all the planning is friends. When, when you walk down at the end of a service and see the, see the steps all filled up with water from tears, that's a victory. I say, praise God. Say, well, that's a little thing. No, I'm making it real. To show that that's where things, people's got to get up from there and go back to their life. And I I don't believe it's just emotion. I don't believe that. I I believe that it's a genuine experience. And now God's working around the tree and digging around it because He wants to see fruit come out of that. Now watch verse 24. He called it Jehovah Shalom, which means peace. But he was going to put him into battle. It was like he's saying, my peace I give to you. and Thank the Lord for the peace. But he was getting ready to charge him. We've got some work to do at home. We've got some homework. So he sends peace to them. My peace, my comfort. I fill you with this. And the very next verses we see. Verse 25, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now it's getting personal. Go back home and clean house. We're talking about God's word calling for a sacredness now. He said to Gideon, throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath and cut down the grove that is by it. A grove was things they planted around the altar. It was how they embellished their habits. It could be sports. It could be social media. It could be some little shopping thing. It could be some little thing that your family has made an idol and God was commissioning Gideon to go out of this revival and cut it down. That's number one. Number two is in verse 26. And build an altar. So it's not just tearing down the past. It's building an altar. Consecrating yourself. Dedicating yourself. Build an altar. Number one, tear down the altars and the false groves. Number two, build an altar to God. Can we call it a prayer altar? 
Can we call it an altar of the Word? Can we call it on a Sunday night sacredness? Bringing sacredness back to the family. It's not just, how was camp? Oh, good. A lot of times that's what you'll get. You know, you know how'd it go? Oh, good. You know, how were the meetings? How oh, good. It's like, oh, man, there's got to be something more than that. What, what is it? It's relationship. It's working with one another. Number one, tear down the altars and the groves. Number two, build an altar unto the Lord. Thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. And we see in verse 27, an obedient servant that Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. I, I just want to stop there and say, I trust that after this last week that there's been some of you that have been obedient to the Word of God. You can't go back home and keep doing the same things you have been doing and expect a different result. You've got to go back and begin, as Brother Branham said, throwing out the trash. Oh, you say that's so ju juvenile. Start with that. You say that's just a minor. Well, let's start with the minors. And the major will envelop all of that. You know, the Word of God is good. And Gideon is some of you. God's done great things for you. Met you face to face. But it's time to go back and tear down idols. And then build up another altar unto our God. And we see that in verse 27. How they destroyed that. And verse 28. And the men of the city arose in the morning. And behold the altar of Baal was cast down. And the grove was cut down that was by it. And, and we see these things happen. Verse 29. They begin. Who hath done this thing? And they inquired and asked. And they said Gideon the son of Joash hath done this thing. And the men of the city said unto Joash. Bring out thy son. That he may die. Because he hath cast down the altar of Baal and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. You know what? They wanted blood because someone was getting specific about the air in the camp. And you can look on down through this verse. What happened in verse 34 is our last verse tonight. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And that's what we all can pray tonight. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us. Is there any Gideons here that have gone out after meeting Him face to face? God is challenging your heart in the sacredness of the family. He's called us a masterpiece family. That when God was resting and trusting in His masterpiece in the garden, that's when the devil slipped in under the garden wall and marred that beautiful masterpiece. It was a family, Brother Branham said. And Satan hates your family. He hates our family. Our church family. He hates the body of Christ, that family. And you know what? This is my concluding thoughts for us tonight. You have to make a personal stand. It's not just your daddy. He wasn't doing this for his father, Joash. It wasn't for his mother. God dealt with Gideon, and Gideon carried out the word. 
And I encourage you tonight, it's not your father, it's not your mother, it's not your sister or your brother. You have to make a stand. You have to bring it to a sacred place and have an altar yourself. And let that affect your family. It's not your counselor. It's not the preachers. It's not just the pastor or the teacher or the Sunday school teacher or a helper. It's not just the prophet. It's now come down to Gideon that will take the word of God and cut out those old groves. Build a personal altar. And then when you're challenged by the enemy, the spirit of the Lord comes upon you to fight your battles. Thank God for that inspiration that came upon Brother Ryan. It's the Lord that will fight your battles. Lord, may we do some house cleaning and throw out those attitudes of, I can just do it on my own. I can handle this all myself when we realize we need the Lord and we need one another. It's the sacredness that God's Word is calling for. God bless you as you bow our heads together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this Word, God. And Brother Branham said, Notice this great masterpiece of the family. The husband and the wife cannot be truly a family unless they are one. They have to be. If they're not, they're not a good family. Wife pulling one way and the husband another. That would make an awful family. I I stopped there and I thought, God, how many of our people are going back to an awful family? They hear great sermons and we have great victories and altar services and prayer lines and wonderful fellowship. Then they go back home where there's a wife pulling this way, husband that way, children this way. Brother Branham said they're not a good family. He said that would make an awful family. And I said, God, help all of us, Lord. May the Spirit of God come on all of our families. Starting tonight. That there be a restoration and a moving for all of our families. And he said, now that, that was God's masterpiece. All in agreement. Love one to another. That's a family. When all the true family here portrays that. And the masterpiece family has come again. Christ and his bride ready to come. The second Eve Second Adam, ready now to return back to their home. And the whole picture has been redemption. From where it was, bringing it back. Just exactly bringing it back again. Oh my, that's what we heard this morning. As we bow our heads tonight, I wonder as Brother Benjamin plays something. I wonder who would say, God, restore my life, my family, into this masterpiece family design of God whatever I need to do whatever we can do in this church family in your family in your personal life be a Gideon be someone that does not murmur and chide and look at the carnal side Lord bring that sacredness back to our lives Jesus Bring that sacred, consecrated, divine touch back into our lives, Jesus. Where the inner place, that place that's 
approached with reverence and humility. Where I don't always draw back from difficult things. But now we can face them. Get personal, Lord Jesus. Get personal with us, Lord. Bring it on home, God. Maybe as we look after a week after camp, we can say, God, I want to bring it home. I want to bring it down to my private life, Jesus. Down to my secret things. Lord, don't let us be guilty of living way out here in the clouds. Confessing great things in our mouths and our hearts are far, far away. Lord, bring our hearts closer. Bring that personal face-to-face relationship that we hear all about. I believe the Lord's concerned about that. I believe it's a concern of a real man of God, a real leaders of God that are concerned for our children, our families, our mothers here in our church, our fathers. Yes, you're part of a great body. You're part of a great family. But Lord, let us bring it on down in after, after these great moments that the Lord can drive down these personal stakes deeper, further for us. Who would lift up your hand and say, Lord, let that be in my life. Let it be from the youngest to the oldest. God bless all of you. It's a desire in our hearts too. Lord, let it be something that is so automatic. Heavenly Father, hands are lifted up all throughout the service, Jesus. I know many, it's just the week after, and many are still weary. Sicknesses have tried to come in where so many have labored and given out. And I pray even now that the healing angels of the great physician would go by that person. Even go by that family, Lord, as we think of Brother Hugh and Sister Sylvia, Lord. Even tonight, maybe streaming and sending out a message that they need prayer, they need help, Lord. I pray that God would touch our Brother Hugh and Sister Sylvia in their, in their needs tonight, Jesus. Our Brother Steve Rivas going to Mexico tomorrow for two weeks. We pray you bless him, God, and protect him, Lord, as he's going hours into the country where it's very, very dangerous. He needs your protection, Lord. Be with our children and our young people and our young adults and our families. Be with some in our church, Lord, where families are being tested. Hearts are being tested in all areas. And many times we're challenged not to get hardened, not to get bitter. Oftentimes we're guilty of murmuring and chiding and complaining when, when really we have it really good. We have more than enough. We're, we're better off than most people in the message. And those that are going to make it in the bride. We, we have it so good, Jesus, here in North America. Lord, let the sacredness of these things just go deeper into our hearts, God. We bless your people. Bless the families, Lord. We pray that there would be a continued move of your Holy Spirit and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Let it, Lord, go 
all the way from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Let there be an anointing oil that dripped down off of Aaron's beard, down onto his garment, down to the bottom of his garments, Lord, where that oil could drip down off of us, Lord. Our prayer life, our time in the Word could be sacred, that we could be like Gideon and build an altar. Oh, Jesus, for those sacred moments when you would just come by and meet with us individually. We hunger for that. I believe you started many, many wonderful things, Lord, in our, this last week, God, these last 10 days, two weeks, Lord, you've done miracles in our church, God. They're so vivid in my mind, some of them, as we have another view maybe of others and we see hearts that are crying out and desperate, some shaking as it was for, under the impact of the Holy Ghost, responding to the Word. Lord, this is so good for us. It's a wonderful thing. It brings back memories for the elders of times that you dealt with their hearts. Deal with younger hearts, Jesus. And let the experiences that you've given them, I believe they're eternal, I believe they're lasting. But may we as a body now nurture that and cherish that and not walk so quickly over it. But let us not neglect these times, Lord. We just want to praise you, Lord, tonight. Thank you. You've been so good to us, Lord. Oh, Father, we forgive us for our grumbling and complaining. Forgive us, Lord, if there's been even a hint of disrespect or speaking against, Lord, something that you have tried to do as they brought, you brought them out of Egypt and they were so quick to come against those that were trying to help them. Oh, Jesus, don't let us misunderstand. Don't let us misstep now, God. After all these years, we pray that you would give us a double portion of patience and mercy and grace. And Lord, we will be ready for the Monday morning after. We will be ready for the week after. Your word has taught us that Satan will try to come around and steal that blessing. But I pray the real men and women of the house of God would stand in faith and ward off all of that and begin to speak back words of life and quickening and resurrection. That the resurrected sheep among us could be healed and come back to the fold and be strengthened, God, and go on and find their place, Jesus. May the Gideons arise from behind the wine press and begin to be leaders in our church. God is with them. God is with them. I pray we as older ones now that our time is becoming middle-aged and elder that we would reach back. We begin to strengthen those that are younger, encourage them that they can run this race. They can be filled with the Holy Ghost. They can live every day personally with God. Let us water that, Jesus. Let us praise you even as we go tonight with thanksgiving. Breathe new hope into every heart, God, in Jesus' name. May you bless them, Jesus. May flowers bloom in the desert. May where there's been a lot of 
sand and just part soil. Let rivers flow in that place. May palm trees come up. May the cross be put into the situation and bring bitter waters and make them sweet again, Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We glorify your name. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus, as we stand. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a bright spirit Oh, we go to sing this song, Created Me. Yesterday I was speaking with Sister Laverne Clemens. She used to sit right behind, beside Sister Powell here on the second seat. And she's already had her first service and now second service at her new church, Brother Lloyd Walls. And all her things arrived. And I was able to speak to her son, Marty. And they were so thankful and wanted to express to the congregation their thankfulness for what you did for Sister Laverne. And I texted the pastor this morning, and um, it could have been late last night, I said, because they'll be bringing Sister Laverne to church. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) I just thought, we'll just be praying that God will use you to bring her family to the Lord. Wouldn't that be wonderful all these years? And then just she slips away and is with her family. We've applied the token. We and our family shall be saved. It's just bringing the sacredness into their lives. And sure, it hurts if she's not there. But I want her to be with her family. And just bring them in. Isn't that what it's all about? That we and our family, our loved ones, and that's a real spirit. That the nature of the revival has caught a flame. Is when hearts begin to say, I want my daddy there. Brother Jean Manasseh, I want my mother there. I want those that are upon our hearts. That's the spirit 
and the nature of the token. And when I heard that this week, it so challenged my heart. Rahab, as soon as she got that token for herself, she said, I want my father in. I want my mother in. I want my brothers in. I want my sisters in. Friends, it's not selfish. It's that what can we do to bring in the family? Lord, we pray a blessing on every heart here as we leave your house tonight, this house. I pray that your spirit would go in our vehicles, go into our homes. May the Holy Spirit that we sense right now, we sense this morning in the meeting, we invite you, Lord, to go with us home, Jesus. Don't let this be a place where we just sent you here and feel so free here and we hear the word here, but let us just take this home with us, Lord. Go with every family. Go with every heart. Where it's been difficult, would you make it easier? Where their burdens have been heavy, may, Lord, you lighten their burdens. Come by their way, Lord. We pray a blessing upon every soul and every heart. Those that are visiting with us, our dear brother and his wife from up north, Lord. We pray that you would bless them, Lord. As they've been streaming with us for years and we are family. I pray that our love would not be surfaced. Even when we turn and shake hands with somebody right now, let it be with some feeling. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Lord, we're one day closer to the change we're one day closer to being in a new body we're one day closer and we are thankful for that Lord go with us now and every need supply we bless your name and thank you Father in Jesus name we thank you God Amen, Amen Amen why don't you turn around and shake hands God bless you you can linger as long as you want God bless you tonight. You're dismissed.